Blog Talk Radio. To the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 127, Wednesday, May the 4th, or may the 4th be with you like they they tend to say. <laughs> uh, here we are uh, talking about uh, what's going on this last weekend, which was historic, and we actually have Mr. David. Well, let me introduce everybody first. I'm pretty excited here. So first from um, the Bay Area, Northern California, Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks. Good. And the man who was there at the Mecca of Boxing at Madison Square Garden this past Saturday night in New York City, he's going to give us his whole take is Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Well, uh, before we move on to our fight review, where we're going to be talking about this fight, our special guest tonight in about 15 minutes will be the newly crowned undisputed super middleweight champion, Franchon Cruz Desern, who actually saw some action this past weekend. But let's just go real quickly to our fight results. Thursday, April 21st from Denmark, Sarah Mahfouz scored a unanimous decision over Nina Menke and a 10-rounder to defend her IBF 126-pound title. Scores there were 97-93 two times in 96-94. And on Saturday, April 30th, in New York City, at the Mecca of Boxing, with about 19,000 people in attendance. It was crazy. It was just announced today by The Zone that a little bit over 1.5 million people were watching it on their app, which is a historic number for female boxing. Mrs. Katie Taylor scored a split a very controversial and close split decision in a 10-rounder over Amanda Serrano to defend her WBA, WBC, WBO, and IBF world titles at 135 pounds. Scores there were 97-93, 96-93 for Taylor, and a 96-94. Also on the same card, I'm just going to go over the, the results, and then we'll talk about uh, the fights, Franchon Cruz Desorin scored a unanimous decision over Eileen Sederuz in a 10-rounder to capture the W... What is, She had the WBC and the... And WBO. Yeah, she had the WBC and WBO. Sederuz from Sweden walked into the ring with the WBA and the IBF. Cruz Desorin walked out of the ring with all the titles with the unanimous decision. The lopsided in 99-91 two times and a 97-93 and on the undercard Sky Nicholson from the UK scored a unanimous decision over Shaniqua Paisley in the sixth rounder at 126 rounds scores there were 60-53 three times Davis saw uh, met the canvas in the sixth and last round but the fight of the of the of I mean people are calling this you know the Muhammad Ali Frazier fight the fight of the century for female boxing and I, I kind of want to agree with that yep. as far as right now mm-hmm. but Katie Taylor scoring a split decision over Amanda Serrano in in my eyes the best female fight I've ever seen whether it be live or on TV or in an app on this case 
David, you were there. How was the atmosphere? You know, please tell us about the atmosphere first and then tell us about your thoughts about the fight. Well, I mean, immediately the way is the day before we're off the hook. I mean, they had everybody there packed, uh, thousands of, uh, uh, not thousands, but almost a thousand uh, Irish fans, a thousand Puerto Rican fans, and then everybody loves women's boxing. You had fighters, you had you know promoters, and uh, it was everybody wanted to be there, and so it was loud and musical, and and uh, so that was just a prelude. And then on the day of the fight, uh, you could just see the the seats fill in little by little, little by little, and then by the time it was about the semi main event, there was no seats left, and uh, it just um, when they walked into the arena, it was so loud. Uh, it was just amazing. You could see uh, people just look up. You could see Katie just look up with her with her mouth open, just like in awe. It's the same with Amanda. They just had to take it in, you know. They, it's just one of those things that if you really liked women's boxing, that was the moment you wanted to see. And for me, it was the same thing. It was a very magical moment. What a... Did was was it announced as a sellout? Uh, yes, it was announced it was, as a wow. sellout at nine, nineteen thousand one hundred and seventy-one. I think it was. Wow. wow. Well, before we get your take, David, on the actual fight and the actual um, action that we saw inside the ring, Loopy, what were your thoughts of the whole uh, the whole atmosphere? And and then give me your thoughts on the fight. Yeah, I can imagine, and David, I can imagine you there because. I, we had it on our 60-inch, and it just, I was on my feet. I could feel the energy. I mean, I was just overcome with so much emotion. You know, and and on social media, you could talk, people were talking about how Amanda won it, and then people were like, but on design, they went to go watch it, and they're like, no, Katie got it. I mean, um, which I had to watch it twice, so, and really look at the rounds and even look at a few rounds um, twice. I mean, Amanda, to me, she controlled most of the fight. I mean, she landed most of the power shots. And as I, um, you know, I gave Katie a couple of the first rounds. Amanda, I gave her the next four rounds. Katie, the last four. It was six and four, how I ended it, Katie. But, I mean, Amanda, in the fifth round, that's when she showed that she is a real deal. I mean, she came up in weight, and she just, she had so much control of the fight, so many power shots. Um I don't. I think that for me, in my opinion, if they were three minute rounds, I don't think Katie would have made it out of that round. Mm. In my opinion, and and maybe we'll we won't know, or maybe we'll wait until the rematch. I mean, Amanda, she was so composed. Katie constantly moving. I mean, the ref couldn't even hear the bell a couple of the rounds. Well, and I mean, there's so much on how exciting. Yeah, yeah. I won in one round. Amanda didn't seem to hear the the. Uh, the uh, the bell and they kept punching and then actually Taylor had to kind of tell her hey the bell rang and, and tell the referee the bell <laughs> rang as well I mean there's a lot of stuff to unwrap from this fight and we're probably gonna get interrupted in the middle of it with our interview with French Sean Cruz Desern. but that's oh, fine I just want to say one more thing we, sure. can we put to rest now that question that people always throw out there who's Amanda fought you can't say that anymore. Well, she's fought yeah, Katie no. Taylor, but I mean, but yeah, but I mean, she she's still has forty strong. other fights that you can, you know, put a question mm-hmm. mark. 
you know. But yeah. she fought Katie and Taylor, now, and she almost knocked her out. I totally agree with you, yeah. Loopy, that that if uh, that if they were fighting three minute rounds, the fight would have ended right there. And I believe it was the fifth mm-hmm. round where Katie Taylor was mm-hmm. the most hurt that we ever seen her. Now, David, go ahead and give us your take. Loopy said that she has scored a six to four for Katie Taylor. I know that you have. Uh, another view on that. Give us your thoughts. And very close rounds, may I add. Very close rounds. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's the product of two-minute rounds. It's so quick, it's very hard to judge. I, you know, I talk to a lot of judges, and they tell me they hate two-minute rounds. They don't like to go on record because they don't want to be, you know, taken up uh, of any fights. But they True. can't stand the two-minute rounds because it's too hard to decide who wins the round because it's just a blur. Yeah. And yeah, it's good for the, for the fans to watch, but when you're judging a fight, you can't get it right. There's just not enough time. And three minutes is, is almost a, a perfect time. You know, at the fights, Eddie Hearn said that, well, you know, it's better because of the action. And I was thinking if it was better for the action, then why don't you make men two minute rounds? You know, if it's, mm-hmm. if that's the way he truly feels, True. But uh, it's it's just that good. Three minutes is perfect to really uh, determine the stamina and 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 the ability to take punches. Uh, yeah, three minutes is perfect. But uh, I actually had it uh, ninety six ninety four for Amanda, and uh, I was actually uh, a little shocked when they gave it to to Katie Taylor, even though she fought her. She fought her, her way out of it that second half of the last, I'd say from the 8th, ninth, and 10th rounds. Those rounds she rallied. But at that point, I thought Amanda had pretty much had it locked. All she had to do was keep doing what she was doing. The only thing I can say is that she kind of took her foot off the pedal in the 7th, and uh, she might have been able to stop her in the 7th if she had went full bore. But maybe... She was concerned about lasting 10 rounds. Well, you know, one thing that obviously Jake Paul, who is Amanda Serrano's um, uh, promoter, promoter um, you know, he said, you know, Amanda Serrano landed more punches. You know, men can lie, women can lie, but the numbers don't. And he's, tr- and he's right about that. And she did land more punches, but we cannot judge fight that way just before i before no. i give you the numbers um i had a 96 94 for taylor six rounds to four i had one or two of those rounds very very close but i gave it to taylor um mm-hmm. so i had her winning but i mean if it would have been a draw i wouldn't be able to argue with that if you if we would have gone yeah. 96 94 with serrano mm-hmm. i wouldn't be able to argue with that but let me just mm-hmm. go over yeah. the numbers real quick while we wait for Ms. Franchon Cruz's turn to give us a call so we can talk to, about her, to her about her opinion on the fight and obviously about her own fight against Eileen Sederuz. But in total punches, Serrano did land more with 173, um, with Taylor 147, but Taylor was more accurate. Taylor only threw 375 punches in the whole fight, giving her a 39.2 percentage of punches landed versus Serrano, who threw 624, giving her a 27.7% of punches landed. Now, in power punches, Serrano also out 
outnumber Taylor 171-146. But then again, Taylor was more accurate with 46.5% of, the, uh, of 314 landed. She threw 314 power punches with 146 landed, giving her a 46.5. Almost half of her punch power punches she landed, whereas Serrano yeah, threw 474. Let me just finish, David. I'll get your opinion. 474 punches Serrano threw with 171 landed, um, 36.1%. What are you going to say, David? Well, one thing is that those comfy box statistics are the worst in the world. I mean, I've debated that for decades. And you have one guy with a clicker trying to count everybody's punches. It's impossible. It yeah. really is. And I, I mean, I'm not to blame that person, but you can't do it with one person. They don't pay you. They don't have four or five people doing that. They got one guy with a clicker. Well, I mean, I could, I agree, I could agree with that, but these are the numbers that we have. So if he missed some Taylor punches, yeah. he missed some Serrano punches. I mean, we just got to give it the benefit of the doubt, and, 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 and this is what we can go with. So total punches landed, you know, they're saying, you know, Serrano landed more punches, that she won, more, she won the fight because she landed more punches, but that's not necessarily because no. if we go round by round, Serrano, Taylor outpunched Serrano in the first round, in the third round, the fourth round, in the uh, eighth round, and in the ninth round. Okay? And Serrano outpunched in the second round, in the. That big fifth round where she outpunched her 44 punches to 14. Um, she outpunched her by one punch in the sixth, 19 to 18. They tied in the seventh with six punches landed each. Um, and then she outpunched her in the uh, tenth round with 32. So Taylor actually out, outlanded, not actually outpunched her, outlanded her in more rounds than Serrano did. And maybe that is why the judges saw her six to four with Serrano because they sound her they saw her land more punches. Uniquely, both of them are very good boxers. Obviously Taylor winning a gold medal in the Olympics and Serrano obviously her vast amateur I mean her vast uh, professional experience and known as one of the best boxers out there, they hardly threw any jabs. They hardly I mean according very to true. copy but they hardly threw any jabs. Total jabs for for Taylor, 61 she threw. She only landed one. And Serrano, according to CompuBox, threw 150, and she only landed two. So there was all power punches. I mean, it was all action, mm-hmm. all power punches with, um, you know, Taylor out landing power punches in the first, in the third, in the fourth. In the in the seventh, in the eighth, in the ninth, and that's it. So Taylor out punched, out landed power punches over Serrano, yeah. and maybe that's why she yeah, she got the nod. I, I really you don't know, trust those compubugs. I don't at all. I, I understand, David, but these are the numbers that we have. And, and like I said, yeah, gonna, I wouldn't even use them. I, I can tell you over and over again how many times I've disproved it. I have one fight in particular when Morales fought Pauli Ayala, and they said he landed 20% and Morales 80%. And 
I did a, a, a whole story on it where I did it slow motion, uh, <laughs> went punch by punch, and it was a closer fight than they all said, and uh, proved that they were dead wrong, that the CompuBox was ridiculously off, and they're always off. I, 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 I don't even use the stats in my stories. I think no, I, I mean, I don't think that they would be used, but I mean, we want to just kind of like go by what Jake Paul. I think we're using them too much right now. I think right well, now I, is I a waste just, of time. What I'm trying yeah. to say is that Jake Paul used them as his argument to say that, that Serrano yeah. was robbed. And she, she wasn't really robbed. There's no robbery. I mean, like we mentioned. No, no, it was gone, not a robbery. Yeah, you could have gone either way with it, but he was using, yeah. hey, mm-hmm. the numbers don't lie. Well, the numbers are not lying where Taylor – According to these numbers and numbers that he used, outpunched yeah. uh, Serrano in, in more rounds than not. But we do have on the line with us, coming straight from her historic win this past Saturday night to become the undisputed super middleweight champion, Miss Franchon Cruz Desern. Let me patch her in. Franchon, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? Hello, Franchon. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking the time to join us here on the two-minute round. My name is Felipe Leon. With us is Lupi Gutierrez, and I'm going to pass on the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Franchon, first off, congratulations. I saw you in the hotel, but you were so busy getting congratulated by everybody that I didn't get it. I don't know if you really saw me. <laughs> but, no, uh, I, I just want to say it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you were you were the the queen of the town there, with everybody coming yeah. over. That well, how what's the feeling like? What was the feeling first going through the way in and then going to the actual fight? Well, uh, I was locked in since I got there, since the fight was announced, and honestly, I'm still processing. Like, uh, it hasn't hit me a hundred percent. <laughs> but uh, I just I know I accomplished my goal. I was so locked on my goal, and I'm just honored and I'm blessed and I'm just hungry, honestly. Yeah, you look wearing the goal during the way. I remember you were right there by the stairs. You were like like antsy. You just wanted to jump in there and and get on that scale and and get to it. And uh, what what was it like when you were there face to face with her on the scale after so much time? You know. Uh, so many cancellations and everything. Well, I I already visualized it, and I knew, you know, from seeing some of her training, the difference is, like, her coaches pumped her up a lot, and at the end of the day, they're not taking punches for her. So when we were face-to-face, she realized, like, oh, snap, I really had to fight. You know, I got to really fight. Um, <laughs> I just saw my future. I saw my future past her, so I had to continue looking through her. I just... Knew I had to win the fight and change my life. And when during the fight, though, as you walked in the arena, because that was was that the biggest crowd you ever fought in front of? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like as a, I don't know. As a pro, probably, but I fought like I fought on world stages, so I fought in front of many diverse crowds where they were against me, some were with me, but I. I just saw the ring. I'm going to be honest. I just saw the ring of my opponent. I tried to slow down and take in the environment. <clears throat> Excuse me. As the fight was going on, I could see, like, oh, snap, there's people out here, and I could hear them. I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was beautiful I, when I, I watched it. Like, I've looked back at the video, 
and I've seen everything, and I said, oh, wow, this is really big. Like, my name was in the, in the arena. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you came in with a plan. I mean, that plan, it, it was very carefully devised. I could tell that you had this plan, and you stuck to it because it seemed like you knew exactly what you wanted to do. You knew exactly what she was going to do, and you seemed to know exactly how to counter everything she did. Did you guys work it up on on a plan for a long time or was it just uh spur of the moment stuff? Yeah, well, you know, I'm 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 a well versed boxer so I know how to adjust. Um but my husband he sat down for hours like since the fight was announced. Even before it was re announced, like, you know, he always studied and then my coach, Barry, and all my coaches, you know, they did their homework. Like, they were really invested in it. So it was just for me to execute. And I did defer from the plan, from the plan a couple times. You know, I don't want to attribute to ring rest. It may have been just excitement and the fact I didn't have a lot of time to warm up. But, uh, they, you know, I knew what I wanted to do in my mind, and I took their plan and, and tried to execute the best I could. But we were all in it. We were all in it. Uh, I, I noticed also that uh, I was actually sitting pretty close to Clarissa, and I saw that yeah. she was there. Were you able to hear her shouting? Because I know she was there shouting most of the most of, of the course. time. Of course, <laughs> I know her voice. Came together and competing many many years together. I know her voice like the back of my hand. I heard Marlene's voice. <laughs> I heard my teammates' voice. Of course, my like you know you you know certain voices, but I did hear Clarissa. If you watch it right before, like when they were calling us out, and she said something, I raised my hand, like and, and like, you know, to acknowledge her, you know. Yeah, that was a that was an amazing sight to see. And that very first round, you connected. It seemed, it seemed like it it changed the the whole outlook of her, your of Cerulus. It seemed like she expected something different, but when you connected, uh-huh. it kind of uh-huh. like changed her, her whole attitude. Like, she realized, For uh-oh, sure. it's not going to be what I thought. For sure. I mean, you know, you could train for one thing, and as it was, it was something totally different. And she, I needed her to know. Well, one, her coach had, like, you know, threw shots multiple times. When we were in Miami, they told me, oh, you're going to only keep – you just babysitting the belt. You're just holding it, but not for long. And then even <laughs> the day of the weigh-in, he, he was like, oh, she's too, you're too small, you're too small. So, you know, I had to let her know you're not in there with a little girl, you're in there with a grown-ass woman and a hungry champion. So we just going to fight all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to dominate your time. I'm going to pass it on to Loopy. Loopy, your turn. Franchise, congratulations. That you. fight was Thank everything. You. I mean, yeah, talk about opening you. up a can I'm, of whoop-ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it was entertaining. You know, uh, you can box and you can do all that, but that it was my matchroom debut. It was my Madison Square Garden debut. And it was one of the most meaningful fights in my life. So I just wanted to fight with passion. I wanted people to know that I really wanted this and I was hungry and I was determined. And I think that translated through. It really did. I mean, your focus, your composure, your power shots. I mean, 
you were throwing punches and bunches and your conditioning was second to none. I mean, we could all see your stamina. I mean, you told um, David that uh, the coach, you know, the coach was talking a little bit. So did that, I mean, did it kind of get personal? You know, where you're like, because you really did open up the can. I tried to move away from making fights personal, but I did have a point to prove because, <clears throat> because you know, I knew she would come in confident because her last fight when she fought a former champion, she, not, you know, dropped him and she has knockouts. And I know she was confident in her training and she did a lot of strength training. And, you know, she was a better fighter this time around than she was when she fought Alicia. But I had to let her know, like, I'm the dominant alpha female. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, we could all see your stamina. I mean, so what changes did you make, and how did you feel going into those later rounds in this fight compared to other fights? Well, the difference was I didn't even do strength and conditioning, honestly. Um, I just wanted to focus on boxing. And I actually added um, a nutritionist. I, I started working with perfecting athletes. And they're so amazing. I will. I won't even lie to you. So from that point, I saw my body change, and my body was operating the way it should. I felt the difference. Then from the work that I was putting in with my husband, and then with my team at the gym, you know, I just let go. I wasn't trying to even when it hurt, when I was tired. It, it was more than when I couldn't even get out the bed. But I just said, my passion wakes me up. My passion, my purpose, and God wakes me up. And I'll go out there, and even if it wasn't, you know, three three miles that day, if I did a good two that with, with effort, I was like, okay, that's an investment. So I really mm-hmm. just kept working, kept working. Yeah, and it showed. I mean, you look, that was the best shape you've ever been. You looked the best you ever looked. Did you find that, Elin, did she ever find her groove at all? Did you ever feel her, like, find it? Um, no, I will say this. Uh, she she definitely tried to capitalize capitalize on li- little moments where you know she was locked in for people to take credit from her. I wouldn't do that at all. Like she was, I was, I definitely beat her up, but she was determined. And when she found little moments, like it was one round where the rest said break, and I I don't know, I pulled a rookie mistake. I felt like Earl Spence a little bit and just like kind of relaxed, <laughs> and she was trying to take my head off. And if I wouldn't have, you know, opposed myself and kept what I was doing, she definitely would have tried her hand and tried to, you know, push the issue. So going into the seventh, your corner was telling you to leave that overhand right alone and go straight down the pipe. Did you listen? I tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I tried. And it, when you're on the inside looking out, you can't see what everyone sees, and everyone has been saying I've done so well, but seeing all of me. I think this fight was to get in shape, to get in shape. Now I've, I've found my, my baseline of what I should be when I actually do what I have to do and have the resources, and I think moving forward, everybody's going to see a better version of me, especially with different competition. But my coaches, I tried to execute the best I could. Um, it was, I mean, you can never – put a feeling, an explanation on that feeling. You know, if you were in that ring and you just knew how close you were to your future and your goal, something you worked your whole life for, you might get a little crazy and wild too. So I tried Mm -hmm. to listen to them. (laughs) 
You know, so so we all watch in my house. My mom, um, my husband walked in during the seventh, and he sat right down because he knows you. He, you're known in our household. So, and I yes. have to ask him. And he sat right down, cut the last three, and um, before the decision was called, he had to run back out, and he asked me, and he looked, and, and seriously, he goes, is there any, he goes, I got to go, he goes, is there any chance that she, they're not going to give her this decision? He goes, is there any chance? And I said, no, she's got this. He goes, I got to go. So he left, because he knows your backstory. So prior to that, yeah. I thought about that, and I was like, prior to that decision, did you flash back at all at another bad call, or were you totally gone for I mean, because you could have PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had that since the amateurs. I've had that since the amateurs. And my husband told me, he said, you were fighting like they were going to rob you. So, yes, <laughs> I definitely have that I've, because I've never been in a comfortable situation <clears throat> where uh, it was an even playing field or it was about me coming in as a champion. Like, I knew matchroom signed both of us because, the, you know, we both have belts. And me progressing was contingent on me winning the fight, but I definitely felt like the A side, I felt like I was promoted properly. I've never experienced mm-hmm. that. And that part of me was comfortable, and I knew I put in work, but <coughs> excuse me, Franchon from back in the day, and Franchon that got those bad calls was always paranoid. So I didn't know what what they were going to say. I just knew I fought my heart out, and I hope I won. (laughs) (laughs) It did. It was so great. It was fantastic. I got one more question. Um, So when they were talking to Clarissa, she was talking about how, and it was great. She was great. And she was talking about how she beat you at the Living Games, beat you on your first pro fight. So is this going to happen, and are we going to be able to call that a super fight? Um, yes, I mean, me and Clarissa have talked about this for ever since, ever since after we went pro, you know, and things were progressing. She was moving. And I'll say this, like, even when she was moving on up, she never, like, looked down on me. She'd be like, Franchon, when you go in there, you got to ask for what you want. You don't let them tell you that you demand what you want, you know? So I think now because of the sacrifice you made going pro together, and we are both undisputed champions. She said it on on on, on the broadcast. This would be the Layla Ali and the and the Ann Wolf that we never got. So I, I mm-hmm. think we can definitely have a moment like Katie and Amanda down the line. It's it's really exciting. I mean, this weekend just brought so much more excitement, and it's so great talking to you. I mean, hugs. I love you. you. And back to your DIY project, family. Yes, of yes. I can't wait. <laughs> Oh, your project. Hey, we'll talk soon. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Hola, Franchon. ¿Cómo estás? Bien. Estoy cansada, pero está bien. Okay, perfect. I don't want you to forget your Spanish, so that's why I wanted to speak to you Spanish. I'm not going to take too much of your time since you mentioned you're a little bit tired. Obviously, you had a dominant performance. You know, Clarissa Shields going piggyback riding on, on what Lupe said called this fight the best she's has ever seen you. Um, but in the second half, Sederu's kind of, you would think that she would fade a little bit because you landed so many punches on her, but she actually kind of like punched more and she kind of like upped her, upped her uh, work rate. Were you, what were you thinking at that point when she kind of started like kind of just going for that jab and that right hand and she started throwing it more and more than in the first half? What was your thought process at that moment? 
I was kind of laughing because I was like, oh, shoot, here she comes. Like, <laughs> I wasn't, like, flushing like, damn, I got hit. It was more so like, if I get hit, they're going to take it from me. But, I mean, you have to understand, yes, I'm a dominant fighter, but I fought another world champion who had already beaten a former world champion and took the belt from a champion. So, of course, it should be a little competitive. She had over she, – she comes from an athletic background. Mm-hmm. And she knows, yeah, I may not have as much experience as her, but I'm going to train. She was very dedicated in her training from what I saw. So, you, I wasn't surprised when it got a little competitive. But, shoot, you got something like undisputed and opportunity on the line. You should fight with everything. And she's so programmed, so I don't think she knew anything else to do but just keep coming forward and walking to the punches. Now, you know, you you mentioned this was your first fight uh, under the Matchroom Boxing banner. Um, How did it come about that you got to fight on this undercard, and and especially on on the televised portion of the card? Was that something that you asked for to sign with Matchroom Boxing, or was that Eddie Hearn saying, hey, this would be a great fight to put on this card, two female undisputed fights? Because this elevated you to a different level, not only because people um, know how good you are, but more people got to see you. We were speaking at the beginning of the show, the, the Madison Square Garden was sold out, and 1.5 million people watched this fight on the zone or the fight card. So how did it come about that you actually got on the televised portion of this card? Well, I knew that my fight was definitely of value because I, when it was scheduled for before, I was also like a co-main event, you know, a great supporting bout. But I brought a lot of value to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. My allergies are a mess. But Khan, who I work with now, is, is, is my manager. And uh, he, he just he told me to be patient, and he made it happen. And I'm glad that Eddie Hearn saw the vision that he had and we had and it, it definitely added value to that card as well. Now, you know, you had a little bit of inactivity with COVID and, and, and some problems with your previous promoter. How soon are we going to be able to see you in the ring? Because, you know, you can only get better if you have activity. And then they say that you get 30 to 40% better once you're a world champion. Now imagine an undisputed world champion. When can we expect to see French Sean Cruz is in the ring again? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I think uh, for sure later on this year. Perfect. Later on this now, year. I don't, I don't have details, but I should fight again this year. Now, after you left Golden Boy Promotions, who you were signed to previous to this, did it ever get a little bit dark for you? I know that you're a very positive person. I follow you on social media, and you're like, you have your career – you know, you you grabbed your career by by the neck, and you're you're pushing it to where it needs to go, along with your team and obviously Peter Khan. But did it ever get a little bit dark for you after Golden Boy and, and figure out what was next for you, and if you were going to be able to sign with the major promoter? Um, honestly, no. It was just like just I think the waiting was a lot for me because I knew in my heart okay, I'm a unified world champ. I don't give a damn if I look like crap. <laughs> I have two belts. <laughs> Somebody's going to want this and want me. And mm. I was just blessed that Matchroom took a chance and, once again, saw the value in the fight, an undisputed fight, an opportunity because they've, you know, been spearheading with women's boxing. 
it's, it's, it was a great move. I just had to keep faith and keep uh, be patient. Now, you were there in the building at the Mecca of Boxing, the Madison Square Garden. You were, I'm sure you had a front row seat. What are your thoughts on, on Taylor Serrano? I don't want to, don't ask me who won. Um, that was like, that was like rival with any male fight. Definitely one of the best female fights ever in history. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about skill, will, and grace. Uh, but I, that was just a, a beautiful thing to watch. And, and from my experience, I'm sitting right behind Chrissy Martin. I have Cecilia Burkis, excuse me, on my right-hand side. Layla Ali's on my left-hand side. Oh, so wow. I'm just there like, oh, snap. Like, you know, it was <laughs> I don't, Ro, Rosie Perez is there. I'm just like, wow. Like, <laughs> it was one of the best nights of my life, you know? Wow. Now, my last question, <laughs> uh, Franchise. Go ahead. I fought with Katie for many years as an amateur world stages. And just to see, like, and I've always been a fan of her. And, and Amanda, like, I'm so glad she's getting her flowers. And I know how she brings it. It was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Now, my last question, you know, you know, with your fight going on, a fight that we had been waiting for for a long time since it was first announced months and months ago, obviously with Taylor Serrano, it just happened this last Saturday. But there's other really good fights on the horizon. So my last question to you is, not including a fight with you in it and not including Taylor Serrano rematch, what fight are you looking forward to? Well, I have to uh Huh. Michaela and Alicia are selling the fight really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? I don't know. Throw some names out there. I'm just like, you know, I think a lot of the women got really hungry because after that, that night, I saw Tunisia. I saw everybody like, get me in a ring. I'm ready to go. So I think <laughs> with that fight happening, it's putting fire under everyone and they're just going to give their best effort. So any fight could be the best fight. It doesn't even have to be a big name. It could just be somebody coming up trying to make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whether you have it, Franchon, thank you for being with us. Hopefully you can take some histamines or how, what, how do you pronounce that? So that for your allergies? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm in here. I'm messed up, y'all, but I'll be fine tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Congratulations. And we hope to hear you. We hope to see you in the ring sooner than later and obviously have you back on our show. You're a great friend to the two-minute round, and we bid you oh. a very good night. All right. Thank you, Franchon. Thank you, Franchon. Have a good night. Good night. And there you have it, Ms. Franchon Cruz has earned the newly crowned undisputed super middleweight champion. She owns all the belts, the WBC, WBO, wow. WBA, and the IBF. Go ahead, David. You, you know, you asked a really uh, uh, interesting question about when Santa Rosa tried to rally. Yes. And you said it perfectly. She used that jab and right. And then uh, I remember saying, that, I wonder what Franchise is going to do now. And then she mm-hmm. used this rocket left jab on Santa Rosa <laughs> that knocked her back, uh, just a jab. I said, wow, where did that jab come from? And uh, she was like throwing this heavy, heavy jab on Cedarus, and uh, I was amazed because I had never seen that jab. 
And uh, I was I forgot to ask her about that. Did they work at it? Because it was no regular pity pad jab. It was a it was a ramrod jab, and it uh. just. Well, she busted her nose. She busted uh, Cedarou's nose up. You know, she was bleeding most of the fight. Yeah, from the third round on. From the third round on. And now, they never wiped your face up. They did, but it just wouldn't stop. It, they, was... it just wouldn't stop. They couldn't. They couldn't stop the bleeding. It could have been a, a a mistake by the corner. Sometimes you get those nosebleeds. You can't make them stop. Yeah. But I was, yeah. you know, French was very gracious and she didn't want to take anything away from Cedarus, which she couldn't. Because Cedarus, I mean, her background, if you know, don't know, she's a, she was on the national soccer team for Sweden. And then when, I guess that, you know, when it's course, she ended up being a, a, a boxer and she won defeating a very experienced and very good boxer in Alicia Napoleon Espinosa, <laughs> taking the, she brought in the IBF belt, took away the WBO belt from Alicia Napoleon Espinosa. And now she walks in with Franchon Cruz Desern with a, with an amazing amateur pedigree and, and, and two titles of her own. And when you would think that she would kind of fold because of the inexperience and, and, and maybe not having the quote-unquote dog in her, um, she kind of like turned up a different gear in that second half and yeah, kind of kind of like was able to kind of like time Franchon Cruz discern and look to land that right that jab in right hand with timing, which is not something that a amateur or a rookie, if you want to call her that fighter, knows how to do. That's something that you actually have to work on and and gain in the in the gym and with experience of how to time a fighter. And even though she has less than 10 fights, Sederuz at times was able to do that. So that was pretty impressive by Sederuz. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully we get to see her in the in the ring again, you know. Um, you know, she's a former world yeah. champion, so hopefully she gets an opportunity. Yeah, that was a good catch. It was a good catch by you because I did notice that too. And I was impressed. I thought she was going to quit actually about the sixth or seventh. Mm-hmm. And I thought they might even stop it, and then she rallied, and I go, "Wow, she really, she yeah. really wants to yeah. win. She does not want that to give up." That was Now, going back to Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, just to finish up the subject, and then moving on to our fight chatter. Um, you know, they mentioned after the fight, you know, maybe Serrano goes down to her natural weight, which she says her natural weight is one twenty six. Um, and she's still the champion there. She mentioned it in the post-fight interviews that she's still the champion at 126, and she could look to unify there. But, you know, one thing that I've learned in, in, through this show in 127 episodes is David, <laughs> David Avila is very adamant about striking when the, when the iron is hot. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Amanda Serrano needs to do here is strike when the iron is hot, and go for that rematch. They're saying that maybe oh, October yeah. in Ireland, because like they mentioned in the post-fight interviews, I mean, that's got to be worth a little bit more than a million dollars, if not $2 million, like they mentioned each, which I don't know if it'll be that much. Oh. I mean, you're talking about a $4 million, $4 million purse for, you know, total. But I mean, more than a million dollars, especially in Ireland with a stadium full of people. And I think that's a lot more you know, viable to make money, a lot more money than Amanda Serrano going after Erica Cruz, which they already offered her a fight and she did not take, who is the WBA featherweight champion from Mexico. And then 
Sarah Mafood, who just defended her title uh, once again from Denmark, um, who is the IBF champion. So I think that's the best bet for either one of them. Don't you think, David? Absolutely, yeah. I think, um, well, you know, they still have that, that uh, thing going on in Ireland with the with the uh, drug organizations and so forth, and uh, they're they're not really clear of that, but they are, and I'm sure they'll have the fight there, but uh, it's not a done deal, not there at least. But they did also mention after the after TV and everything during the uh, interviews later on that uh, they there's even a possibility of bringing it back to Madison Square Garden. And doing it again there. I mean, with a sellout like that, prices go up. They got 1.5 million for this for this fight uh, in views. Uh, it's only going to double, you know. So I mean, they can get the money there there too. I mean, I, I, Lupi, would you? I mean, if they couldn't do it in Ireland, would it make sense to make it in England? So I mean, the Irish are just like right across the 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 water there from 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 Ireland. If they can't do it in Ireland for for whatever reason, and having it like in London or Manchester, yeah, where they have, might be a little bit Yeah, closer. they always have them in Leeds or, yeah, Manchester. I, I, yeah, it makes sense because it's match room. It, in Ireland, it would be, oh, my God, it would be like uh, Madison Square Garden on steroids. But yeah, yeah that'd be crazy. I mean, it is right there. And Amanda now, will go anywhere. True, that's that's true there. Now, moving on. And I think we're going to have a little bit of controversy here in our next subject. But ESPN just released their pound-for-pound pound list. And obviously, Katie Taylor tops that list at number one. Clarissa Shields is number two. Amanda Serrano is number three. Jessica is number four. Mikaela Mayer, number five. This is according to ESPN. Cines Estrada is number six. That's where it kind of still makes sense. You know, the top mm-hmm. six. I mean, obviously, with a little flip-flop here and there, which David is going to talk about. But then yeah. from seven on down, actually number ten makes sense too. But seven, eight, and nine number is just—it's ri- <laughs> not—it's ridiculous from from ESPN. We have Savannah Marshall, who is an undefeated <laughs> champion, but she hasn't really beat anybody a note. She might if she gets to face Clarissa Shields next, another top pound for pound fighter. We have Delphine Persoon, who hasn't really beaten anybody either of no, I mean, she has names here and there, but a long time ago and her late last claim to fame was getting really close to beating Katie Taylor. Some saw her win, some saw a draw, but is that enough to be number eight in a pound for pound list? I don't think so. Number nine, Christina Hammer, which is the biggest <laughs> uh, head scratcher yeah. on the list. Jeez. And then French on Cruz Desert makes her debut at a pound for pound French uh, at number 10. So that makes sense. And she probably should be, a little bit higher, but the controversy here, at least on this show, is David obviously does not believe that Katie Taylor's number one, despite beating the number three, Amanda Serrano, and I'm kind of leaning towards maybe flip-flopping Amanda Serrano and Jessica McCaskill because McCaskill is undisputed, so and Amanda's coming off a loss. I mean, if Amanda comes back and, and I don't know, beats another one of the champions, then she would go up there. Um, but but McCaskill being undisputed, I think she deserves to go up a little bit just because Amanda's coming off a loss. But, David, give us your thoughts of why Shields deserves to still be number one. Well, I mean, I would have Shields at number one basically because she's 
how many rounds has she lost? I I can't imagine uh, more than one or two rounds in a, in a, her whole pro career. I mean, you can't now, argue against that. She's gone down. Taylor has it. Yeah, but that's the one round. But she's gone down. I mean, I, it doesn't matter. You know, one round, it's still, if she got knocked out, yeah, then that's a whole difference. But uh, to go down, that's just it. That's all. You I know? don't know. I, I mean, I, I see what Good you're point. saying, but, but let's, but we have to let's let's see. If we're on the same page on this one. You, we have to admit that the talent pool is a little bit deeper at 135 and and around that weight than at 168 and around that weight. So, um, who's, well, who's, yeah. who's Shields' yeah. toughest fight? Shields' toughest fight. I mean, on paper, it's supposed to be Hammer. Franchise Cruz. Franchise Cruz was the toughest fight. And, and, and that was her debut. But on paper, the exactly. mega fight, the mega fight for Shields was supposed to be Christina Hammer, and she completely dominated her. You know. Yeah, her, well, I, I think it's telling that her toughest fight was Franchise Cruz, and now she's undisputed super middleweight champion. Well, let's go. That, let's, that says how tough she was. Let's go another yeah. step here. Let's go. I mean, Franchise Cruz. Granted, she just came on. She just came on the uh, the pound for pound. Katie Taylor owns wins over two current pound-for-pound pound, uh, fighters. Mikel, I mean, Jessica McCaskill and Amanda Serrano. Top, two top five pound-for-pound uh, pound fighters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, she does. That, she does. That, that's, that weighs a little bit, Lupe. How are you looking? She's number one on your list? Yeah, Katie, she's number one on my list right now. I, I agree with you that McCaskill should move up looking at this list. Um, why is Clarissa number two? Um, I believe she's number two. That. I think she's yeah, number two. So do I. I think she's number two. But I think that the whole flip-flop, if Shields were to be, I mean, at least on this list, if she were to beat Savannah Marshall, then she owns a win over two pound-for-pound pound, uh, uh, fighters on this list, on this ESPN list. I just don't think mm-hmm. that Savannah Marshall has done enough to be on a pound-for-pound pound list at this point. You know, whereas McCaskill yeah. and... Serrano have, but you know, granted, pound for pound lists are all subjective and objective, and it's just a, a matter of opinion. But I would just think that with this win, Katie Taylor would would go up to number one on everybody's well, list. But you know, people have different opinions. Yeah, I don't, I don't really flip flop. It's not a popularity contest. Like you beat somebody uh, good, then you go up a little higher. I don't do that. I, the way I rate fighters is just purely uh, on on the record boxing. and and their boxing IQ and abilities. That's it. To me, it's like if they were all the same weight, who would win? That's the way I go. And I think nobody could beat Clarissa if they all weighed. If the they're, same. All, if they're all the nobody. same it, Oh, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, that is a great point. Yeah, I mean, boxing wise, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Clarissa Shields will be up there. I mean, I think Michaela Mayer can make a run at her if they were all the yeah. same weight. You know, Cena yeah. Estrada, if they were the same weight, Cena yeah. Estrada has, you know, some good skills. But yeah. I mean, like I said, it's all it's all uh, it's all subjective and it's all people's exactly. opinion. Exactly. Um, exactly. But there you yeah. go. But it, it, it's I, good. I, I, yeah, I, I, there's no shame in saying Katie Taylor's number one. I would not 
say, you're an idiot or nothing like that. You know, yeah. Yeah. like you hear people on social media. I mean, she's yeah, a yeah, great fighter. Yeah. She's and, got and, great heart and great skill. Uh-huh. Wow. It was, uh-huh. Yeah, it was amazing. Now, let's move on to Jim Promotions. This is actually pretty exciting. Jim Promotions, who, who is a promoter based out of um, Canada, will hold the Women's Super Welterweight title tournament where former WBC champion Patricia – actually, I don't think she's the former. I think she's the current. Let me check real quick. 154. Actually, no, she is the, she is the former WBC champion. Patricia Berger will face former undefeated mm-hmm. world champion uh, Cecilia Breakhouse in Colombia, which is pretty interesting because Breakhouse is, a re- is Colombian, but she was adopted by a family in Denmark, her and her brother. She's been on the show with us before, and she's given us her life story. And she, from Colombia, she was uh, adopted Norway. She was adapted to a family in Norway, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Norway. And uh, yeah. But she's going to go back and fight in Colombia, uh, her native country, for the first time ever. So that is pretty interesting in, in its own self. But the winner will challenge the IBF world champion, Marie Eve DeCary, who only has one loss, which was to, um, actually, I'm sorry, light middleweight, Patricia Belgood from Sweden is the WBC champion. She's 15-0 and 0 with three knockouts. The WBA champion is Hannah Rankin, who is going to be defending her title um, in the next couple of weeks, and we'll go over that in our, in our upcoming calendar. Uh, the IBF is Mary DeCary, and the WBO is Natasha Jonas, who just won it this past February. So that's pretty interesting, this um, quasi-tournament that Jim Promotions from Canada is putting on, which will see the return of the great undisputed, former undisputed welterweight champion, Cecilia Brekus, now at super welterweight, 154 pounds. And lastly, in our fight chatter, current WBA 105 and WBO 108-pound world champion, Sinise Estrada, hopes to return to the ring in July of this year. In a recent interview with BoxingScene.com, Estrada cited differences with her promoter, Golden Boy, although did not delve into details. It is rumored she is negotiating an extension to her contract and is looking to better her guarantees. She stated, hopefully, this is a quote, hopefully we'll be back in July. If we can't figure out with Golden Boy, we're in May and I still don't have a fight. So July and hopefully still fighting three times like I did last year. Estrada has not seen action since the stoppage of Maria Mary Santiso last December on the mm-hmm. zone. So Sinisa Estrada, mm-hmm. one of the bigger names in female boxing, at least in the United States, obviously, like we just mentioned yeah. before, she's on this ESPN pound for pound list. She has fought um, numerous times on the zone. Um, she's fought for world titles and won world titles on the zone. She, she had a great fight against, um, uh, Marlene Esparza on the zone. And now uh, she's in somewhat of a contract dispute with the promoter Golden Boy Promotions. I don't know what the details are. I know she has, her contract has ended and now she's looking and they're looking to extend with her or she's trying to renegotiate. I don't know if she has the ability well, to go to a different promoter. Go ahead, David. You might know more about this than I do. Well, well uh, I, I ran into Sunisa several times. We actually took the plane back home and uh, together. Uh, the same plane, not sitting together, but we were on the same flight. But uh, we, we did speak a little bit about that. There is a, 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 it's a problem between the numbers, how much she wants and how much they're offering uh, with Golden Boy. And that's the, 
the reason for the um, dispute. But she does expect to be fighting by uh, June, July, and hopefully another but is one this, after that. Is the contract done and they're trying to – because for those who don't know, after a contract has ended between a fighter and a promoter, the promoter has anywhere from 30 to 60 days to renegotiate with that fighter or to negotiate a new contract with that fighter before other promoters can make offers to her. Or sometimes the contract state they have 30 days to negotiate and then 60 days if another promoter were to come in and offer after those first 30 days, the first promoter, this time Golden Boy, will have to match the other promoter's um, offer so is this a, a, a con- are they trying to renegotiate the contract or they're trying to extend? Do you at least know that much? No, I don't know. I wish uh, I, I could see a copy of it. I mean, I might ask to, to see. I mean, they could easily say no and, you know, that's it. But, you know, I did help another powerful group uh, look at a contract before and that – and. Maybe I'll get a chance to see this one too, but uh, but I I mean I'm a journalist. I'm not supposed to to decide what anybody's doing. You know, I just yeah. try to look at it objectively, and I don't want to give advice either. Uh, I I don't give advice, but um, I do you know know what contracts look like and what they let just like you were mentioning what they uh, what they promise and what they and how you can get out of it. Uh, clauses and loopholes and things like that. Uh, but yeah. no, I haven't seen a contract, so I don't know exactly what, what's been signed and what's uh, needs to be no, renegotiated or whatever. But from what I've been told, uh, there's at least two more fights with Golden Boy for mm. uh, Sanisa. That's what I've been uh, told. I, I wonder... Know. I wonder... And this is just me speculating because obviously, like David, I don't have, I'm not privy to her contract. I mean, that would be insane yeah. if I could see her contract. But, um, but what I have seen in other contracts is that when a, when you have when you sign a fighter, and they become a world champion, the contract extends for either 24 months sometimes, or 12 months sometimes, or two two more title defenses. So that might be the case here where her contract ended, but she became a world champion during the contract and her contract extended by two uh, defenses. And she's trying to ne- renegotiate the, the minimums for those two world title defenses. I'm, I'm just speculating because of what you just mentioned yeah. that there was two more fights left. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully at the end of the day, as boxing fans, I mean, it is. This is between Sinister Strat and her team and Golden Boy. Um, at the end of the day, all we want is for her to, for them to work it out so that we can see her in the ring. And if they don't work it yeah. out, then she could be released so that she could go to a different promoter, which I'm sure many of them will be interested in her and um, and and see her in the ring uh, sooner than later, right? So that is what's going on with Sinister Strata. One thing that she has mentioned is on her social media is that she is waiting to figure out what's going to go on with this contract to get back in the ring. And she has stated that publicly on her social media. Any thoughts, Lupi? Give her what she wants. She's one of the faces of boxing right now. 
Well, with that said, uh, well, let's move on to our upcoming calendar. And there is a little bit of fights uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Our next show is on May 18th. Here Wednesday, as we mentioned in our last show, we're going to move our show to every other Wednesday here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the two-minute round. So uh, upcoming calendar of Saturday, this Saturday, May 7th in France, Segolini Lefebvre will take on Melania Saroche in a 10-rounder defending her WBO 122-pound title. That's in France. And in Queens, New York, we're going to see the return of Maureen Shea, who will be taking on veteran Calista Soldado in a scheduled eight-rounder at 122 pounds. Maureen Shea um, has not seen action since um, 2020, January of 2020. Oh, jeez. But here's the thing about about Maureen Shea, who's 41, who's about uh, 41 years old. She has a obvious, uh, an awesome record of 29 wins, two losses, one draw. Her last fight was in 2020, and her last fight, well, that was in January, and then she fought in 2019, 2019 twice. She fought in 2017, did not fight in 2018, did not fight in 2016. She fought in 2015. So in the last Six years, seven years, she's only seen action one, two, three, four times. So, Marine Shea, who is ranked highly in all the uh, sanctioning bodies at 122 pounds, and with the, at the fact that she's 41, you know, I think that she either has to make a run now or figure out what she's going to do because she's just not really getting the activity. But she will be fighting mm-hmm. next, this Saturday, in Queens, New York against Calista Selgado in a scheduled eight-rounder at 122 pounds. Friday, May 13th, from Glasgow, Scotland, Hannah Rankin will be defending her WBA Super Welterweight champion, I mean, title, I'm sorry, against Mexican Alejandra Ayala in a scheduled 10-rounder. Ayala, I think, yesterday landed in Glasgow, Scotland to finish up her camp over there and to acclimate herself to mm-hmm. the weather and the time zone and everything. So we'll be looking forward to that fight, see if we can find a stream. Hannah Rankin, WBO 154-pound champion, defending against Alejandra Ayala of Tijuana. Well, actually, she's from Mexico City, but she lives in Tijuana. Saturday, May 14th from Dubai, Delphine Persoon will take on LM McCallid in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver 130-pound title. Uh, LM McCallid is the one that was offered uh, title shot for the WBC regular title against Alicia Baumgartner uh, a couple of weeks ago with a, a week's notice, and she publicly uh, on her social media retired. But now she, we see her here taking on Delphine Persoon uh, for the vacant mm-hmm. WBC silver title. So you know, one thing leads to another. And in Dallas, Texas, on Saturday, May 14th, Sharita Metcalf takes on Danielle Bennett in an eight-rounder at 122 pounds for the NABF uh, title. That is the North American Boxing Federation, which is tied in to the WBC. Mm-hmm. So that is our upcoming calendar for the next couple of weeks. Our next show is May 18th from Lupi Gutierrez, Mr. David Avila. I'm Felipe Leon, and we bid you, we thank Franchon Cruz Desern, and we bid you good night. Good night, all. Good night, everybody.